0: You're listening to Nutrition Matters Podcast with Paige Smathers, Registered Dietitian Nutritionist. Hi everyone, it's Paige Smathers. Thanks so much for being here. Nutrition Matters Podcast explores what really matters in nutrition and health with a sensitive and realistic approach. To help support the podcast, please consider making a donation at positive-nutrition.com podcast. If you find this episode interesting, engaging, or helpful in your life, please consider donating, sharing with friends and family, and leaving a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, whatever podcast app you use to listen to this podcast. You can leave a review about this podcast straight from your podcast app, search Nutrition Matters Podcast, click reviews, and then write a review. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook if you'd like to have a little more food for thought. Thank you for listening. Hi everyone, welcome to Nutrition Matters podcast. My name is Paige, and I'm your host. And I'm really stoked to share this conversation with you, um, as always. But yeah, this one in particular I think is really important. So many of you who have been longtime listeners will know that I typically um, record episodes with sort of the non-clinician in mind. So my podcast is really geared toward. Um The person who's trying to really figure out what matters to them with nutrition and health and um trying to kind of work on their own relationship with food, so that's sort of usually who the podcast reaches and who uh, I record episodes for. so this particular conversation that I'm sharing this week is one that's maybe geared more toward the dietitian listeners that I have, and so. Even if you aren't a dietitian, I think you'll still find this interesting, hopefully, and relevant for um, all of us to be thinking about these things. So this week I'm talking with Tamara Melton and Deanna Bellany, and we're talking about their new project, Diversified Dietetics. So we're going to dive in, and they're going to explain more about the mission of Diversified Dietetics and what it's for. Um, But it's this really great new nonprofit that is – providing mentorship opportunities, um, spotlights of um, different dietitians, and um, opportunities for education and training for folks in um, leadership roles in internships and in other other areas for dietitians to help maximize um, access to jobs and to success and also to internships and training for registered dietitians and students of color. So I'm super excited about this because this is just such an important thing to be able to have representation, people who look like you, who are in roles professionally that you um, hope to be someday. It's really just nice to see someone who looks like you, nice to see someone doing the work you hope to be doing. Um That just helps it not feel so out of reach. So today on the podcast, we're talking about their new program and uh we're highlighting what they're up to and really digging into some of their own experiences that have sparked this idea for both of them. So super excited about that. I also um just a follow-up from a couple other weeks a couple weeks ago when I made some announcements about uh my a dietitian's role in addiction recovery webinar that I put on. I got that approved for continuing education as a pre-recorded webinar. So if you're interested in um, listening to that, it's $10. It's it, You can find it on my website, positive-nutrition.com uh, slash S-U-D-S. So substance use disorders is what that stands for. So head on over to positive slash SUDs and there you'll find um the webinar and also the the ebook uh with the same title dietitian's role in substance use disorders um there's an ebook that you can access that will give you a really good kind of foundation to understanding um more about substance use disorders and the dietitian's role in that setting um so if you're interested in learning more about that and getting some continuing education, you can either do the webinar for continuing education or just read the ebook, which doesn't provide educa- or continuing education credits, but really informative as well. So check those out. And also um, both of those are sort of an introductory thing to this 10-week curriculum that I've created. Um, So it's called Positive Nutrition for Substance Use Disorders. And this is for registered dietitians to implement in the treatment setting. It's 10 lessons ready to go. It's a whole curriculum that's evidence-based, that has uh, references and citations at the end of every lesson. It is something that has been years in the making for me something that I use in my treatment centers and I've just gotten such a great response about. Um, when you buy the curriculum, you also get access to um, a, a services pitch that you can use to pitch the service of nutrition groups for uh, clinical directors and other people in charge in the treatment setting. So this is uh, you'll learn you can learn more more about it through the webinar uh, if you choose to, to go that route. And, um, if you're, if you're interested in checking out the curriculum, just go to positive-nutrition.com slash curriculum. And yeah, you can learn more about it there. Or if you ever have any questions, you're more than welcome to reach out. So that'll be especially relevant to my dietitian listeners. It's really rewarding stuff. I just recommend getting some training and supervision around how to approach it in a responsible way and in a helpful way. So that's what I'm aiming to do with those, um, things. So there's the webinar for continuing education. There's the ebook, and then there's the curriculum. If you buy the curriculum, it includes the ebook as well. So um, yeah, just wanted to make that announcement and help everybody know about what I've. One of the things that I've been up to over the last few months is getting that all together, and I'm really happy with how it's turned out. So um, reach out with any questions, and just a quick shout out. Thanks to those of you who have left reviews. Those of you who make donations to the podcast. All of that is just so appreciated. Um, Those of you who share the podcast on social media or with your friends and family, all of that means a lot too. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for, um, for helping me kind of have a, a better reach when it comes to, you know, all your efforts to help share the podcast. It's really appreciated. So, um, yeah, back to the podcast episode for the day. I would love to introduce um Tamara and Deanna to you. They are two registered dietitians, and uh Deanna lives in Houston, Texas. She's in the public health space and she'll do more explaining about what she does. And then um Tamara Melton is in Atlanta, Georgia, and she is um she's spent time in the uh in the education space as a professor in college. And then she's also specializes in health informatics, um, which she describes as like IT. um, Let's see, how does she say health IT? And they're both really passionate about this idea of um, mentorship and providing access and resources to dietitians and dietitians to be of color which I just totally stand behind and support, and I think it's such an important project. And I am so excited to highlight their work today on the podcast. So thanks for being here, and let's get into the episode. Tamara and Deanna, welcome to Nutrition Matters Podcast. Hey, glad to be here.
1: Thanks for having us.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm so excited to talk about your project and what you both do professionally and the field of dietetics. So before we get into everything, um, I just want to let the listeners know that this, this conversation I'm anticipating is going to be probably a bit more relevant for my dietitian listeners. And for any of you who have listened for a while now, you'll know that I usually make podcasts kind of geared towards the layperson or the person who doesn't do this for work. So this is going to be a unique one where we're talking more to um, the dietitian listeners and or any other kind of allied health professionals or really anyone in the in the field of, of health in general. I think this topic will be really relevant. So I'm excited to dive into it with you both today. So before we get into it, will each of you just introduce yourselves briefly and just talk about what you do for for work, and then we'll get into your project that you are both doing together. Sure. Yeah. Tamara, you yeah, can go you, first. <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah. So
2: I um I work in actually health informatics, and so the way that I got this to where I am now, I um, was working in um, higher ed at a university here. I live in Atlanta, and I was in a position where I was teaching for the nutrition department about 50% of the time. And then I was helping with admissions and recruitment for all of our health professions within the college. And part of that 50% also included helping to start new programs. And one of the new programs that we started was a health informatics program while I was there. And I had not realized I had worked in health informatics because I would, a bit of a data nerd, I really like data. And I would... um, try to use data in different ways to tell stories. And that is definitely a component of informatics. So very long story short, I became the program director of the health informatics program at Georgia State University and did that for four years. Um, but then I wanted to go out and actually practice um, in informatics because I had not actually really practiced in it as an informaticist. And I had completed a postgraduate certificate at Duke in their nursing school in informatics and the um, you do a practicum to kind of get some practical experience. And I really loved that. And so I had the opportunity to um, take a position. I actually wrote my job description uh, for the position that I have now where I am the uh, national director for health informatics for Morrison Health So I basically work... Um, with all of our accounts. So we have, we are the largest healthcare food service company in the United States. And I work with all of our accounts, um, our end users as we call them, they are dietitians or chefs our frontline associates, the folks who deliver the foods to the patients, um, who might be serving the foods in our cafes, and any kind of a project that we have that uses software, um, technology, or on the backside, any technology that we have that uses data. Um, those are the types of projects that I work on. So it's a lot. It's a mouthful. It's definitely a lot of people <laughs> like, nope, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> it sounds very data-like, but I love it because with this position, I work with dietitians and I work with IT. And for me, that's, like
0: the perfect job the best so, of both worlds uh, that you love. Best of both of worlds. Yep. Awesome. <laughs>
1: How about you Diana? Yeah, and for me, I'm kind of on the community side of things. I started out uh after my internship working for um A nonprofit that kind of had a charter school as well as some head starts and so I was managing their nutrition program which was kind of a nice blend of food service and community Um, and then I decided to go back to school and get my master's in public health because I really liked the whole program planning side learning how to build and evaluate effective programs that were meant for the community so I did that and finished um, at UT School of Public Health here in Houston um, and then started with the county's public health department Harris County Public Health um. that's what i currently do now it's really really exciting i, I really love working in the community so
0: awesome so do. <laughs> well thanks for sharing that that's really good to hear yeah. the background of what both of you do outside of this project so really quickly it sounds like you Tamara, were sort of the one that maybe came up with the idea and then brought deanna on board is that is that fair to say so, or kind of give us the background um, of what you're up to
2: i think what was happening was deanna and i were having the same idea hundreds of miles apart and didn't realize oh, it. That's um, the best. And through, the, through the magic <laughs> yeah. of social media, we came together. So I had actually thought of this, this concept because one of the benefits that I had as being the, um, the chair of the informatics program at the university was that I was a person who got to lead our admissions process. And so I was a person who was able to, if you will take a chance on students. So if we, you know, you have your, you can, you know, measure students by GPA and, you know, their volunteer hours and da 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 decide who to choose into the program. But I had some leverage um, in that leadership role to decide to take students who might have a little bit less of a GPA and then kind of really give them an opportunity to come into what was a challenging technology-based program that also had clinical with it. And so as I looked at the field of nutrition, I thought, you know, through the course of several different conversations that I have with people, that if we could somewhat um, change and shift so that students who are of color um, have the ability to either have more access to resources so that they can get over any barriers that they might have, be it related to their race or ethnicity, or just related to anything that might be common to any student, and be able to get them into programs that kind of nurture them through, then. I think that we could see a shift in the diversity within our profession. And I mentioned this to my husband and he works in the business community. he said, well, sounds like you wanna do something like what they have for this organization that's called MLT. It's Management Leadership for Tomorrow. And I looked it up. Um, and looked up MLT on, on the web and saw that they have career prep for underrepresented minority students and they're really successful and these students go into these leadership roles. So I was saying all this and I was cryptically putting like all these things out on my social media. So people were like, what are you doing? I was like, I don't even know what I'm doing it, but I know I'm going to do something. Um, and I mentioned it to Jess and Wendy of Food Heaven Made Easy. Um, and I said it to them at Fancy last year, our nutrition conference that we have every year. And I just kind of said to them, through social media, like I'm working on something. I want to have this nonprofit that will help to increase diversity. And Deanna actually reached out to them because she had the same idea. And she, oh, they so said, they you need to connect you. with Tamara. Oh, yeah, yeah they so connected. Awesome. So they <laughs> said you need to connect with Tamara. And I had already, um, I've really been putting things into place and had a different name. But Deanna reached out to me, thankfully, and we chatted. I tried to talk to her as soon as possible. We chatted, and. When I was telling her my idea, she's like, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. yep. And I said, same, same I mentioned, um, yeah, I mentioned MLT. And she's like, oh, yeah, my fiance was going through MLT. And that's when I said, oh, we need to work together. Because most people have never heard of that organization. So, yeah, I think, Deanna, you could speak to that. I think we were concurrent. We, there were so many um, ideas that we had that were aligned. We just hadn't met yet.
0: Oh, that's so, so amazing. Yeah, Deanna, talk about yeah. your
1: process. I mean, exactly exactly how I felt as well. So I had kind of, you know, had a couple experiences where I felt like um, my race played a role in something that someone had said or something that someone had did, um, especially, you know, at FNC and around different um, dietitians. Um, and so I had had a dialogue with my director from my um, my dietetic internship who works at a HBCU, and I had just kind of picked her brain about, you know how does this work in the selection process? Like, what is the issue? Like, why haven't we come further, um, especially for an organization that's been around for a while? You know, why are the stats so low? Um, and so we do you know kind what talked, the
0: stats are? Really quick. Like, do you do you have I think that from
1: 2017? What is it? Nine percent, Tamara, that are considered non-white.
0: Yes. So that is the that's number the field of, of dietetics? Yeah. in the field of dietetics? Yeah.
1: Yeah, yes. that's the last number I had seen where, yeah, 9% identify as non-white. So Interesting. that is a, a it's really massive, no. you know, discrepancy, <laughs> oh, you I know, don't. especially if you look at the demographic of the U.S. and how it's changing. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, so I had kind of known that I wanted to do something. I knew I wanted a mentorship aspect to be a part of it. Um, I knew I wanted to focus on, you know, skill building, but also, you know, target the educator so that, you know, we could kind of reduce this barrier or this mindset of whatever it is that um, – you know, there's not a larger amount of artists of color being admitted into dietetic internships. So I kind of poked around and like made a, a, a site that looks nowhere near as gorgeous as the one we have. Like it now. looks so good. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, like, like, uh, Tamara had said, kind of seen a post on IG that, um, from Wendy and Jess, and I had been talking to my fiance who was going through the NLC program and was just like, gosh, I really want something like this to happen. And I want it to make this change. And he was like, oh, that sounds exactly like MLT, just for your profession instead of for the business.
0: Okay, so you both were having the same idea across, not really across the country, but very far apart from each other. And then you came together and formed this, um, is it a nonprofit? It is. Okay. It will be official soon. (laughs) Okay, so talk about the nonprofit, what it's called and what its mission is. And then I'd really like to kind of, if you're comfortable, get into sort of the nitty gritty of like what you've experienced and what what you've found out as you've done, as you talked to more people about this, as you talk to internship directors and or people in leadership roles, like what are, what are the barriers? What is the lived experience like? Just to open anyone's mind who maybe hasn't thought about this before. Mm-hmm. So um, I can speak to our mission. So okay. our, organization's
2: name is diversified dietetics and that's our us on facebook and on instagram more diversify rdn on, on twitter um but our mission is to increase diversity in the field of nutrition by really empowering students and young professor professionals from underrepresented minority groups so that they can join into our profession and i think that i know that i um and Deanna could definitely speak to some of her experiences, my experiences have been more kind of, um, not so much that I really experienced anything as far as what I would consider um, microaggressions or racism while I was in school. I did not, and I was in a very, um, you know, an urban campus once I was in graduate school because I was in Atlanta. Um, And so that was, and it's Atlanta, which is very, Welcoming, I think, for Black professionals, um, as as is Houston, where Deanna is at. But I think that what I have noticed a lot of was when I was practicing as a dietitian, and I would go into different communities, and it would be African American mainly in around this area in Georgia, and they were just really happy to see me, and were just like, "Oh, look at you! We never see a dietitian." I was working for an organization that employed a lot of dietitians, so a lot of dietitians had come. It was a senior center, um, and so that just kind of struck me. And then as a professor, my students would say to me, I just seeing somebody who looks like you makes me know that I can do it. Um, Just having that representation was very important to them. And then I think that over the last couple of weeks since we've launched Diversified Dietetics, and we have heard from students who are in nutrition programs, there's been a variety of, of comments related to that they did not feel they just haven't seen a lot of people of color, and they're living in large urban centers, so they're in very diverse areas, um, or there's there's a sense of not feeling as welcome in their programs, or maybe somebody's making a comment that might be a little bit insensitive because of of where they are coming from and their culture. And so I think that that's been something that has kind of reinforced to let us know that our idea that we had is something that is needed, that the students do um, feel like they they would need some empowering, they really want to have a community, and that there is some work to be done um, with our educators and dietetic internship directors who are working with students.
0: And is that part of the mission, is to work with those folks in charge, kind of, to change the landscape
2: exactly that is definitely one of our areas and I did not have that initially the great thing about me um, having meeting Deanna was Deanna you could definitely speak to your experience about what happened to you but she was the one who was mentioning things that happened to her and that's when I said oh yeah I love that because that is something focusing on the people who get to decide the pipeline (laughs) which is what's going to affect the profession is something that we should also focus on
0: Definitely. So Deanna, do you mind? Do you want to share your your side of the story? Yeah, absolutely. So for me,
1: I mean, I live in Houston, and Houston is a very diverse place. So I I don't think I necessarily recognized it in school. But when I got into my dietetic internship, there was just a lot of talk about, you know, the stereotype of what an RD is. Um, And so you know, you have that like type A, probably white blonde or brunette who, you know, I don't know, I don't know, whatever the stereotype is, because that kind of what I had heard. And so my program itself was probably about 50% um, RDs of color and 50% white RDs. Um, So I didn't see it there. But I do remember after I had finished, I got to go to FNC in Boston. And um, I was standing in line, you know, at FNC, everybody gets a bunch of free stuff. So I'm in line for something free. And um, I'm with another RD, a black RD, and we're just kind of waiting in line to get us some yogurt. And a lady turns around and just is like appalled. Like she looks shocked. She's like, oh, um, there's just not that many of you here. And so me and her like look back and forth at each other and we're like, oh, yeah, okay. Not really knowing how to react to that. But it was kind of the first time that someone had called it out. Um, not very and just, many into of you face. here. Wow. As in, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no. not, even, not even appropriately. Just It was just very. Offsetting, I would say. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I went about my day, and there was a, a poster session at that same conference, and it was a, um, it was a white professor who had done some research on different barriers that artists of colors face, um, and going through or getting into programs and going through programs in general. And um, a lady I was standing next to, kind of, you know, you, you read the board and you kind of look at the research, and she was like, well. You know, I'm a director and I had a an African-American in my class last year and, you know, she didn't pass her RD exam. So I just don't know. And oh so, you know, my. I, ah. I know, it's so appalling. It <laughs> like, is and so, so appalling. Standing, like, my jaw is just on the floor. <laughs> like, Mine what? is right now. Yeah. Yeah. And so oh. and I'm I'm standing right next to her. Like it's, it's not we're not far apart. She's not whispering. So I, I'm just staring at her and looking at her and I'm like, OK, you know, more than. RDs of color are ones failing exams. Have you thought about that? She's like, oh, are you an RD? And I was like, yes, um, I am. (laughs) That's why I'm here. She was like, okay. And then just slowly walked away. But it was just like, wow. wow. Really realizing that maybe this isn't a problem that everyone sees. And if not, like, why not? (laughs) Um, And what can be done to fix it? So that same conference, I went and met up, like I said, with my dietetic internship director and was just kind of like, what do do y'all think about when you are admitting people into your program? Like, does race play a role? Do you think about how diverse your your group's going to be? And she was like, well, I know I do, but I also know that there are other internships that purposefully, you know, select the people that fit whatever stereotype or whatever demographic they want to fit. So that was when I kind of knew, like, okay, well, something needs to be done so that this can change. Like, whether it's, you know, preparing students to make sure that, you know, their package is seamless, you know, you have to work harder, but or if it's preparing directors and breaking down whatever barriers and stereotypes and, you know, preconceived notions that they have on their point of view. So yeah. I think that's when we knew it was important to bring in the students, um, important to have a mentoring aspect so people have, you know, relationships and they can talk to and learn from, but also to address, you know, the issues that are happening with the people that are admitting um, students into their dietetic internship program. So that was my experience.
0: Wow, thank you for sharing all that. Um, yeah. I, I know that this doesn't relate on, on any significant level, but just for my, from my perspective, I, I feel a little alienated from my own profession sometimes just because I don't identify as like a really type A person. And so when you, when you were talking about that stereotype, I'm like, yeah, that's just so not me. Like, and I've had, I've had feelings where it's like, wow, if that's how I have to be in order to be a dietitian, maybe I haven't picked the right, um, Profession. I can only imagine what it must feel like, you know, just with so many other layers of, of race and culture and not feeling like you even have someone to look at who is like in that mentorship role or like does do people from my background even go into this field? Like I, I, I can only imagine because I already feel a little bit, you know, alienated sometimes just with my temperament.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. and so we recently did an RDN spotlight um, on an RD whose name is Kendra. Um, And she brought it up, you know, how this impacts our patients because, you know, she was teaching I think it was a group of african-american youth and You know the the reason they didn't want to eat healthy is because it's it was a white people thing You know, it was perceived as something Mm. that not someone from their culture does So I mean this has implications, you know from students all the way to the patients that we're trying to impact And so I think that's also a message that we're trying to make sure is relayed is that this isn't just for You know the individual or you know the classroom. It's for everything. It's for health in general that
0: is such a that is such a good point i can see that being such a barrier like well that's that's white people's stuff and so i don't mm-hmm. i don't want to even you know have especially coming from a small blonde white type of right. woman right like that's just going to be mm-hmm. super tough to even hear i, I can only mm-hmm. imagine okay thank you for sharing all that that's super super interesting so it sounds like there's a lot of layers of what you both are putting together here. Do you want to just kind of, kind of give maybe a zoomed out broad picture of what of what you're doing, and then let's talk about the different components and why each of them matters. And I think what's really interesting to me, um, in particular, is just hearing those little anecdotes, like, like you just mentioned. Oh, it's very it's perceived as a white person thing to care about nutrition, and so more people of color who are dietitians are going to be able to relay messages in a way that's just so valuable for lots of different, you know, people from different backgrounds. So so that yeah. types that type yeah. of stuff is really fascinating um, mm-hmm. to me, to just kind of weave that into what you're what you're doing as you're explaining what it what you're doing, talk about that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, some of the programming Dean and I just actually
2: met recently to really uh, think through what our, our goals are and our vision. One thing we did do working on, like she said, we're going through the process of officially becoming a, a 501c3. And so we will be selecting our board of directors soon. But we did um, make sure that we reached out and got an advisory council of very diverse group of, of um, professionals, nutrition professionals, um, as to get to give us some Feedback from their different perspective and from their experiences, you know, going through different programs. Um, so we have that group with us because we're not here. It's not the DNN Tomorrow Show. We're in the <laughs> silo. We're not trying to get feedback. So we've got plenty of surveys out on our Love website yeah. trying to get feedback from people. So what we've gotten from that going back because we're using this as our reference organization for MLT is to really to create some program. And then one of the programs is to um, give students resources. There are some organizations out there I know, even companies that offer. Quote unquote resources for students to be able to find successfully get into. Um, through, uh, you know, undergrad and internships, but you have to pay for it. And we know that's a barrier to students of color is to pay for things that they're already trying to pay to go through school. And so we have that as one of those resources. Deanna kind of mentioned that uh, we want to make sure that the students are prepared. You know, uh, when we talk to educators, and I know from somebody working in admissions, there are laws that say you can't look at a student's race to choose them for a program. And so we're aware of that. Yeah. That was but, that
0: question when you were both mm-hmm. talking about meeting yeah. with people and that they were, sort of admitting to that I was like isn't that illegal yes
2: there's a there's further <laughs>
0: law that say that
2: so that kind of that's something we need to be aware of because not only is that yes you shouldn't be doing that in the, in the fashion that Deanna mentioned but they also can't do on the flip side where they go and say we're only going to accept all the students of color um, because we're looking at their ethnicity that is not legal but what you can do is affect the amount of students who are eligible to be um, accepted into your program that is a way to affect um, a program's demographics, it's something that we did at the university that I worked at. We just made sure that we had the student, we are going out and making sure that all students are equally prepared. And that um, equality versus equity is is very important because there's some students who just, because of, we, there's a lot of different things um, in, in, in the United States, and the structure that's going to affect the students, as from a from a five-year-old on to an eighteen-year-old, how prepared they're going to be for college, and then can they um, pay for college? If they are not able to pay for a semester of books, how will they continue on, et cetera, et cetera? And a lot of these barriers will affect um, students of color. So some of our programs are going to be looking at things like that, and then also we talked about our mentoring program um, that will help them with, uh, you know, having someone who you know can, they can identify with who can help them. Through that process and choosing, you know, an internship and, and I know for me, you know, a lot of people when I went to undergrad didn't even know that that was something they had to do, so they didn't know to save up money yeah, for it, right? And so that's things that they need to know about too. How do I do that? How do I get ready for this whole match process? And now we're going to have this new master's degree requirement. So how do I do? So that's what our program is going to be about, to give them these the education, if you will, the resources to let them be successful, because yes, when you have an aunt or a friend or someone who, you know, can, who has done this before, done college, who can take you through and help you to be successful, that's really great. But a lot of students of color don't have that, and so we want to provide that to them. Um, so that's one of the things that we are, are working on is um, just really um, strong programming that the students can have access to these resources um, that can really help them with really specific targeted um, resolutions to any sort of a challenge that we have seen coming up. And we've gotten a lot of the, the, the ideas from students because we mm-hmm. have a survey out there, and we've said- And, and educators, the best they way
1: to, to do it. Us, yeah.
2: Mm -hmm. So that's definitely one of the things that we're doing.
1: And then all, like, kind of underlying all of that, we still have kind of the social aspect of it. So a big thing for us was to make sure that we are building this community, or having a platform where this community can kind of blossom. So of course we're on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and, and where people can effectively have conversations about, you know, whatever they're going through, whatever whether it's, you know, I'm I'm writing my letter from 10, or I don't know who to get a recommendation letter from. There's a community there that that you can bounce ideas off of, even if you're not participating in maybe one of the, our formal programs that we're gonna uh, have or more formal. Programs, um, they're they're still that there, and I think we've definitely seen where people are, are excited about it. They're excited that the the pages are there, and that you know they're able to connect with people that are in their state or at their school or you know nearby um, that are are diverse just like they are.
2: Um, and another. Um feature that we have on our website, I'm really excited about um, is the RDN spotlight series that Deanna mentioned Mm -hmm. earlier. And so we just kind of put a call out and said, you know, if you're an RD of color working in any area, you don't have to be somebody who's like in media or something like that, just any area, please uh, reach out to us and answer um, some questions so that we can do a series. And the goal there is to have a group of, of, of dietitians for representation. And we've had people who are Southeast Asian, African-American, African, um, who are from the Caribbean, who are, they're from Mexican. I mean, they're all over the place who've already reached out to us. And so I'm just really excited to, as we're putting those up on the blog of all these different RDs who are gonna be on there so that if a student is Mexican or a student is um, from, um, uh, you know, from, Pakistan or something like that, they will look and say, oh, there's somebody who looks like me. It might just be one person, Mm -hmm. but we're putting them out there and documenting it and their stories so that people can see them. And I think even more broadly to the clients and the patients that we serve, maybe they see it too. And they say, okay, they do have Somebody who understands about you know whatever my customs might be, right? Or my, what's really important to me in my culture. Okay, this this is a legit profession because they are really getting to know what we what we're all about.
0: Right. So I I can see that it, there's implications for for the students and the the professionals, the dietitian, and that that whole community. How important that is to have that support and that representation and the mentorship and all of that. And then beyond, you know, why did we all become dietitians? I would assume uh-huh. it's because we really want to help people and we want to uh-huh. you know, do good in this world and and that is so necessary for the people that we work with to feel like they're understood and to feel like there's a connection and um some shared experience and obviously you can do that across cultures and across races but but how how awesome for you know a, a client from mexico to have a mexican dietitian who can uh-huh. connect on that level and how great to have someone who who knows halal in and out because that you know that's the their practice at home versus you know some white girl from utah being like let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about halal you know what i mean so that's yes. that's really great
2: uh-huh.
0: it it ends up in better client and patient care which I think is what we all want exactly and we just put a blog up
1: um, today uh, kind of focusing on that because we know you know we want to make sure that we're rooted in evidence as well because we are dietitians and we value that um, so there's a blog that's just talking about why this matters what the evidence is kind of saying about it um, from the patient perspective as well as from the student um, educators perspective of, of why diversity is so important
0: so tell me more about that like, what did you talk about in the blog post and what's what yeah, the so interesting things from there?
1: The title is um, the Academy Diversity and, um, you know, the, the, the search for a brighter, brighter future, something along those lines. But um, yeah, so the blog, I mean, from the educator perspective or from a student perspective, it just is research that shows that these students get a better quality education if they're in a diverse um, setting. It improves their skills. You know, you'll get to have a better racial cultural understanding. You get more active thinking, um, intellectual engagement, maybe some cultural sensitivity, hopefully. Um, so it's beneficial for the student. Um, and then for um, our patients, it helps to address some racial and ethnic healthcare disparities. It gives them more options. Um, it's Shown just to shown that they have better satisfaction or are more engaged, might sh- share more information. Um, so, it just leads in better outcomes, health-wise, um, or in better satisfaction. Like I said, um, if they're working with um, someone that they can identify with, and there was also some research that pointed that minority practitioners are more likely to work um, in those minority neighborhoods and in lower-income communities as well. Um, so, it helps to address you know disparities that are there.
0: And yeah, that's so that's so important. I'm interested in your lived experience, both of you, if you don't mind sharing, just like what is it like for you when when you have a client or a patient who, um, who is white? Do you get treated differently? Do you notice that there's a difference? I mean, I notice as a female, I notice that there are like sometimes when I'm teaching a class and there's men in there and this isn't across the board and, and always true. But I noticed that there there is this element of like, oh, well, I need to show you how much I know, you know, because I can't have a woman <laughs> teaching me. And so that's my lived experience. Um, but I'm wondering, you know, from your perspectives and what you've what you've experienced, have you had some of that kind of professional? Um, I don't know what the right word is for that, but.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have to say that I haven't, um, when I did any one-on-one counseling, um, and I've seen hundreds of, of clients and patients over the years, um, if they were a white um, patient or client, I never had a, an idea of them even really questioning what I did or know or anything like that. Um, I have had some, not really question, I think just more surprise because I work from home and if I walk into the room with maybe at a client site or something with my current position, because I work in health IT, they're like, oh, we didn't expect to see a black woman working in health IT. Like that's <laughs> yeah. just not who we at all expected. Um, so every now and then I get that. What I got was kind of what I, what, um, what I spoke to before is that uh, when I'm working with people of color, they're so excited to see me. Mm -hmm. It's a thought of, Oh man, girl, you made it. Yes. And there, there's just a shared, like, yes, we're so happy to see you. And then they'll say things like, you know what I mean when I'm talking about eating this, or you know what I mean when I'm saying such, there's this sense of that. And then for sure students. Yeah. When working with students, they would say, you know what I mean about such, it would be that, you know what I mean? Tyson. like, I don't have to explain to you what I'm talking about because you're, you get where I'm coming from. Granted, this is definitely with African Americans. That's definitely, I'm not saying it's like if I'm with all um, populations who, right. that I might be working with, but the majority of the populations I was working with were African Americans um, of students or even patients, just for the region that I live in. Um, so that I thought, and that's when I knew over and over again, I'm like, they're saying this over and over again. So they're, so infrequently seeing someone of color who um, gives them any sort of care or on the side of an educator who's teaching them that they are having to explain themselves so much or maybe even defend what they do so much because they are talking to a white uh, practitioner or educator and with me they're able to say oh i don't have to do all this explanation um, with you so
1: yeah, and for me, I mean, I, I haven't done. I'm I've been in low uh, in uh, minority communities for a while. I don't think I've I've done any one-on-one counseling um with any white patients in a very long time. But even with like the youth that we interact with, because I have a small team of dietitians. Um, when they I, uh, there's one of um, our dietitians that's Spanish-speaking, and so the students are so used to like being forced to speak English in school, and when we transition to speaking Spanish, or when typically she transitions to like identifying terms. Or identifying the MyPlate food groups in Spanish Like seeing their faces light up And feel comfortable And starting to just like have this dialogue And talk about foods And just like the lesson clicks so much more um, With our students When, you know, it's it's taught by her Versus, you know, if it wasn't taught by somebody Who, who could do that Or could had that same experiences as they might have So I, I think I see it there the most For yeah. sure
0: that's, Yeah, that's really, that's really really true um, I love that And again it results in in the very best care for the people that we're trying to help which i think is so like it's just nice to boil it down to something simple like that like that's what that's why we're mm-hmm. here we we all uh-huh. care about that mm-hmm. um i'm curious and i'm always sensitive i don't want to make this about white people at all and that's because that's not what it's about but i'm always just curious like for anyone who's listening who's like okay well how could how could i be a bit more sensitive how could i Um, do better connecting with my clients and patients of color. Is there any element of diversified Dietetics to help train or or help white clinicians do better with their cultural sensitivity or um, things along those lines? Or is that not part of the mission?
2: So we actually just had a call earlier today and we were talking about that. That's kind of our goal, I think, of our um, especially the educator um, workshop series that we are planning to do uh, because they were the ones who are affecting really the pipeline of the workforce. Um, but I will say real time today, um, what people can do is really listen. And I say that because um, the one of the first dietitians I spoke to who listened, who was a white dietitian, there were two of them, Rebecca Scritchfield and Leslie Schilling at FNC last year. and. They, you know, I first time I ever met Rebecca, I saw her speak at Fenty earlier in the day and we were speaking later on at some event that we were at and, and we were talking about diversity and and we were talking about how there w- it wasn't as diverse in the profession. And I said, well, it's a pipeline issue. I said the same thing I'm saying here. And it was the first time, and I've told Leslie and Rebecca this several times since then, that a white white women just stopped and listened to me. They did not say yes, but no, but yeah, I hear you. But they didn't do that. They just stopped and they listened for quite a while, as I probably just went on and was just frustrated. Um, but it really, really meant something to me that they stopped and they just listened and they didn't try to explain it away or anything. So I would tell people, even if you're working with your client, I mean, and I would do that too, if I'm, if I'm working with somebody who's not the same background as me, um, be they my same race, because we're not all homogenous, even within, yeah, that's you know, an American community, yeah, yeah, that you just stop and you listen to people, and if they're telling you, I'm eating this way or I'm doing this, there are, we're used to asking people to about layers related to like their emotions, and maybe they dealt with something as a child, as, maybe it was an abuse or something, but there's also a lot of history and heritage that people have in their culture. And the reason why they do it is because it's rooted in their culture. And when you're asking people to change something, you're taking away their history that's so important to them so and just yeah. stop and listen to them. I say, you know, we, yes, we, we do plan to have these, this, this workshop series and resources, you know, definitely follow us on, you know, I think also what's powerful too is if you follow us on social media, is reading the comments mm-hmm. that people of color are saying, because we're not saying it, they're saying it and you can see and they're saying sometimes what people have said to them that have been hurtful or discouraging. And just see what they're saying. And that's another way of listening to them so that you can just be more aware and adjust from there. We're not in a push, I think, to we're not trying to to reverse the whole demographic of the the profession. And now since there's no white people in it. That's, yeah, that's yeah, not what our goal so. is. That's not what, what's going Even on. Even if that was your goal, moments. it
0: probably wouldn't, <laughs> it wouldn't happen. It would be right? very difficult to do. <laughs> yeah. Trust
2: me. Um, yeah. That would be hard. That's not what we're trying to do. But in the meantime, I told Rebecca this too. I said, we have to have, I don't think that I, I told her, I was telling her about the whole Me Too, or yeah, the Me Too movement where people had said that if we really want for women to be, to have um, rights and men have to help. And I told her, I said, if we really want to have diversity in our profession, we need white dietitians to think this is an issue too. We can't do this in our home, but we need them to start listening to us and what we're really saying.
0: So that's that's something I'm aware of and wanting to be sensitive of, too. Like, I don't want this to feel like I'm like, oh, look at me. I have Tamara and Deanna on my podcast and then that like, let's make this all about me. That's that is 100 percent like something I'm aware of and also something I am not trying to do. I think that I think you're so right. I think that white people who are in positions of having platforms or or leadership roles or admitting interns into their program really could benefit our entire profession and then in turn the people we serve when we when we listen when we provide um space to have these discussions when we do the work of really looking at our own issues around these things and really actively trying to work on them ourselves i think I think this be, it becomes really obvious that this is a really big deal and something that we all can have a part in playing um, in terms and of just, making it better. Yeah. Go ahead, Diana.
1: No, yeah. I was just going to say, you know, I think another important thing is to kind of just look that, – that people can do is just look introspectively because sometimes, you know, we can have biases that we don't recognize or that we don't call out for ourselves. So I think, you know – our educator survey is up and it kind of just helps you to look internally or even internally at your, at your campus or your school at what are the practices that I'm already doing? And could this, you know, be a barrier, even if I'm not even trying to, to make it a barrier, like what, what are those, um, those things that, that could be altered or changed?
0: Right. And on this podcast, I do, I encourage a lot of introspection and work around our our internally held weight bias and our you know any biases we have around these types of things but i think it's so relevant to do similar work around race and skin color and backgrounds and cultures and really just do you know extend if if someone listening feels like oh yeah i've done some really good things at becoming better at not making assumptions about someone's body size maybe you know trying to extend some of those skills into this arena Because it benefits everybody when we're, when we don't make those assumptions and when we listen and, um, you know, look at our own biases. I would also add in too that if you come across um, any professionals
2: who come across a student of color, um, really encourage them. If they ask about the field of nutrition, just take a little extra step. And this is all students, I believe, of white students or students of color. And really help them that we do not have an easy educational pathway at the end of the day. Um, It has many different layers to it. Um, There's different steps to it. There's different processes to it. Um, And so, if you have a student who comes across and they they don't they you know they meet you and and you do a you know a career day or something at your, your student um, your child's school or something that you just take the little extra step if you can at least connect them with somebody. You, I know we're all very busy, but connect them so that they can be successful. Let them don't just say oh yeah this is great you can go out to you know eatright.org and figure it out. Um, just say you know hey yeah maybe we can have a 10 minute chat. And I can kind of explain this to you and then really connect them. Uh, you definitely can always send them our way now. That's one of the reasons why we want to put that out there because we knew that people are busy. We're not saying people aren't busy, so not, they may not have the time to do it. So we want to have that platform, but at least take that little extra step because sometimes it's just some, they just need somebody to, to just show up, point them in the direction to go or they might have a question or something like that. Or, you know, we, we, I know we had April was um, preceptor month, you know, offering to precept students. I can't tell you how many students have reached out to me who are doing internships, who are just trying to find a preceptor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're just trying to, and they, they struggle because they can't find a preceptor. So little things like that, that you might have someone come across your pathway, you know, just, that's definitely something you can do is you can, um, you know, you're not, may not be a formal mentor for them, but you can serve in a mentorship way, or at least it's assisting them to get some resources so that they can continue on in, in, in making their career goals.
0: That's a great idea. Deanna, did you want to add anything? No, I mean, I I
1: echo all of that. I think what's been kind of, um, because I'm at an earlier uh, point in my career, and I've kind of recently seen the benefit of a mentor. And so I think that's also why it's important for us to have that leg um, of diversified dietetics. But the mentors in my life were kind of the people that shifted the way I thought about my, my projected career path. Like, in a big way. And so I just think having that person in your life, even if it's someone that you talk with on a monthly basis or bi-monthly basis, just having that different perspective from someone that's been there before, um, I I think is very useful. And I I wish I had one in undergrad or in my dietetic internship that I could have leaned on. So I'm I'm glad that the resources are going to be there um, for that to happen.
0: Yeah, that's such a big deal. Go ahead. Yeah, and I was going to
1: add, too, I've I mentioned this to people before, that I didn't have any,
2: just because of the of the um, the sheer numbers of people of color who are in our profession, my mentors have all been white women. <laughs> I mean, it's not that people haven't, you know, helped me along the way they had, but they really listened to me, and they really were very sensitive to whatever, um, you know, unique challenges I may have had. But I have some people who the reason why I have the job I have today was someone I met from undergrad 15 years ago um, who has kept up with me um, mm-hmm. of over the years. And so it is possible for you. And, and we do not have the same background. I can guarantee you these people grew up in a very different way than I did. But they what really uh, warms my heart to to my mentors is that they were OK with that. They're like, she doesn't look like me. It doesn't have the same background. She's not going to believe everything I say, we may not have the same religion or even, you know, anything like that, but they still were willing to mentor me. And so that is something that people can keep in mind too. The person doesn't have to look like you for you to mentor them. Um, that is possible to have, uh, that relationship with a a student or, like Deanna was saying, young professional, think one of the things we've seen, I was kind of surprised to see from feedback of young professionals is that several of them have said they haven't had any mentors. There's dietitians all around. And so there's something going on there, too, that maybe there's an idea that a mentor, mentee should look like me or think like me or, you know, have a very similar background. And that's not true. You can really have a successful mentorship, I'm so thankful for the people who have, you know, kind of taken me under their wing over the last, you know, 10, 15 years from me being a student to a professional.
0: Yeah, that's, that is invaluable to just have, I mean, and I, just like in the therapeutic relationship, it's a huge percentage of, of what predicts positive outcomes in therapy is the connection that the client has with the the therapist, like that connection is so critical. I think that that's what you're speaking to here is you can mm-hmm. connect across races and across cultures or across religions or whatever might be a potential barrier. You can connect. It's just it's sometimes easier when you have some of these things in common. Um, but but if you can help build that trust with the person you're mentoring or the person who's mentoring you, I think that that, that can also be something that all of us can think about how we can do that better. Well, this is such an incredible program you both are doing. And I just, I love that, I love the idea that both of you had this idea separately mm-hmm. and then came together. We're connected by, it's Wendy and who's the other one of Food Heaven Made Easy? At Jess, Wendy and Jess. Wendy and Jess, okay. Um, and came together to create this amazing platform for, let's just kind of summarize. So there's there's mentorship for young professionals and students. There's blog regular blog posts that talk about these these things, but also sp- spotlight some dietitians in the field. Is that right?
2: Correct.
0: And then um, there's also some initiatives to have conversations with people in leadership roles, people um, on admissions for internships to try to kind of figure out what the barriers are, do a little bit of education around some of these these issues, and just kind of increase awareness around the importance of diversity in dietetics Um, anything else i missed i don't think so i think that's kind of the three major arms of it and i know it's new so i'm sure it'll evolve in in months and years to come but that is this is when i heard about this project i was so excited because um i i am this is just such an important thing. Um, I have clients come in my door who I know like my physical presence makes them a little bit uncomfortable. Like I can feel that from them and, and it's hard because I can't change the way that, that I look. But at the mm-hmm. same time, I just wish that there were um, some options for for people to seek care and services from people who who they're able to connect with. And I think that this is such an important thing. Again, coming back to this idea of like, how do we help people? How do we... Really effectively do our jobs. I think this is such an important part of that. So I'm, I'm really grateful for what you're doing, and I'm excited to see how things evolve and grow through the years. Thank
1: you. Yeah, we're definitely excited to see where things go as well. You know, we have our advisory council, and we're interested to hear their points of view as well. So, um, yeah, thank you for for highlighting our platform, and um, hopefully, people can visit our website, um, can also visit all of our social media pages, um, and and learn more about it and get involved.
0: That's awesome. So, will each of you just take a little minute to kind of summarize what you're excited about with the project and also maybe just some ideas just in general? Like, what do you wish people knew about nutrition and health? And what, like, if you could give people advice, what would it be just kind of in general? So, I would say
2: I want people to know that nutrition is not complicated. Dieticians are here, definitely to, um, you know, kind of guide you if you need some some help. But I always tell clients that I work with that you you really do know how to eat. You learned it as a baby. Um, it's within you. And if you are someone who is from wherever you are from, from around the world, that even from where you're from is there's there's a healthy way to eat that way too. And so there is a way to that. include your, there's a way to include your history and what's important to you and your values that keeps you connected to your history in a healthy lifestyle.
1: That's good. Totally um, agree. I love yeah, that. that's really good. Tomorrow. that's awesome. <laughs> um, let's see, for me, I I guess I'm, I think I'm most excited about, um, I'm really excited about the mentoring aspect of it. I think that, um yeah, I think people can benefit for sure from having having strong mentors in their life, but also not forgetting about the the strong networks that they can create with the person right next to them. Um, so to kind of think about that as you're going through your nutrition careers or your nutrition um, jobs, that you know sometimes a person that that you work with or that you um, are on the same level as can be just as good of a mentor um, as someone that's in the position that you want to have five years from now. So just to not forget um, and to definitely take advantage of of the relationships that you come across on a day-to-day basis
0: love it love it thank you both so much for coming on the podcast to talk about your project and what you do for um for your work as well so just take a minute and tell everybody how to keep in touch with you what the website is how to keep in touch well you already said on social media but just say it one more time
2: Sure. So, um, you can find us most places by searching for diversified dietetics. That's our website. That's our Facebook. That's our Instagram. And on Twitter, we are diversify RDN. So you can find us there.
0: Okay. And it's diversified So correct. Yep. Yes. And you can find resources for getting involved. You can find events coming up, um, which I guess is getting updated, and then a blog. You can also donate. Do you want to just take a minute to talk about how people can help financially with what you're up to?
2: Yeah, so we are in the process of setting that up um, for the the nonprofit, and we'll put out an announcement on all of our pages okay <laughs> once we have that finalized um, the 501c3 so
0: probably has to be in place before the right. donations come in okay so just yeah. have mm-hmm. I'll, we'll encourage people to keep checking the website and keep in touch with you so that they can know when their mm-hmm. financial contributions might be able to um be able to be effective right away so yep. yes. great Well, thank you, Deanna and Tamara. This was such a great conversation. And I just really appreciate you being willing to um, chat with me on the podcast about what you're up to. This is really important work you're doing, and I'm really grateful you're, you're doing it. Thank you so much. Well, I sincerely hope you've enjoyed this conversation. If you haven't already, please go ahead and leave a review on iTunes. Thanks again so much for listening and we'll see you soon for another episode.